yeah, I was talking about Gemini, right? We were talking about Gemini. I was talking about Gemini. Um, well, you were the one talking. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what was it? it uh, yeah, you were okay. So you were saying that um, the difference maybe between Gemini and Virgo it has to do with like the uh, maybe stopping to. I don't know. What were you saying about the difference between Gemini and Virgo? Because I. Uh, I mean, Virgo is discerning. So I I feel like Gemini is like the fire hose. Like Gemini just tries to take everything in. Like I'm going to take the universe and cram it into my head like Mr. Universe. And Virgo is, you know, more discerning. And it's like, okay, this is the information that is actually important Mm -hmm. while also having the confidence in its own ability and, you know, its own connection to Mercury to be like, okay, if I need all of the fine details, if I need the full fire hose, you know, I can get all of that data, but I can, you know, I, I'm smart. I can pick out what I actually need right at this moment. And then if I need more later. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, I can do. There we go. That's it. As uh, Virgo is, has that discernment and it, it um, is interested in like the correct way of doing things. Mm. Like Gemini though, like uh, doesn't actually give a fuck about yeah. if it's correct or not. It's it's interesting because and and that's not even like a a bad thing really it, it, the way that we think about it because it's like opposite Sagittarius it's like Sag wants to moralize uh, has almost more in common with Virgo in the sense that it's looking for the correct maybe uh, mm, approach mm-hmm. but it's like Gemini has uh, it's almost like this freedom because it knows already that uh, that nothing is is actually true or something like uh, I was actually looking at Socrates's chart and uh, he had uh, the sun in Taurus, but he had Mercury and Venus conjunction in, in Gemini. Oh, and, interesting. Uh, was quote that I really liked um, that got me. That was like, that's Gemini. That's it. Was that, uh, was that the, the only true wisdom is to know that you know nothing at all. And like, think of just thinking about like what that does in terms of just liberating you to do what you will with all the information that's out there because Gemini can like hold two totally opposite opinions uh, at the same time. And it's, and it can do that because it, it's like, they're both true and they're both not true. Like they're just knowledge. It's just stuff to know. And it's about what you do with it uh, or about how much fun it is or (laughs) yeah. I, 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 it's like the scary part of Gemini though, too, (laughs) because it's like capable of anything. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, we were talking about my Mars and Gemini before we started uh, Mm -hmm. recording. And something that I really struggle with is that I, I am acutely aware of the fact that if you back me into a corner, I can argue you into just about anything. And there is no way like, (laughs) even other Mars and Gemini as I've run into this, like, they, I, I can out argue anybody. Like when I was a kid, everybody was like, you're going to be a trial lawyer. Mm-hmm. Like you just, you, you don't have any choice. Like the, you just are a trial lawyer all the time. Mm-hmm. And of course it's not, it's not what happened. You know, I'm here, but um, Gemini is aware of the fact, I think at a fundamental level that truth is often about how you present the world and not about any kind of fundamental meaning, which of course drives Sagittarius absolutely. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's, 
that's it. I mean, it, it uh, shoot, I lost my train of thought. No, what was it? Um, my partner has uh, the same, actually, not the same, it's the opposite, uh, or different. She has a mutual reception between Mercury and Mars, except Mercury is in Scorpio oh, wow. and Mars is in Virgo. Um, and it's also in her 11th and 9th house houses. So those two are exchanging and uh, she totally has like the lawyer uh, mentality, like a like she could easily be a lawyer and also can totally destroy you in an argument. Um by it's almost like I think almost more of like a spider webby kind of approach to arguing where it's like catching uh like finding the fault at ah, Virgo. It's like Virgo likes to find the fault in things. That's like what it's good mm-hmm. at. Uh it's like finding where the imperfection was and then attacking it. Uh mm-hmm. well Gemini, that it's like because they can uh, adopt any perspective, any viewpoint, um, they can outmaneuver you in any argument because they can just adopt the position that will uh counter yours like yeah makes sense and it's it's and i uh it drives me nuts too that that almost like more i can get the virgo approach because like i just i get that the gemini approach it's like i know what you're doing and i'm not fast enough <laughs> to, <laughs> to maneuver it i have mars and aquarius where it, it's like uh-huh. a little more of a uh, like, here's what's correct and true. Like, uh, Aquarius likes to n- know what the principle is that, that you're yeah. for, and maybe gets the yeah, truth is subjective and stuff. But here's what the right thing to do is, you know. Yeah, uh, Gemini was a little more like it, the moral flexibility. Um, I think is what gives Gemini the bad reputation, but it's like also its mm-hmm. superpower. Its superpower is is that. Because there is no truth, but what I say it is. Yeah. Well, if it's, I can convince exactly you that, that it's true, then it's true. It's... Yeah. It's like, if we give you a thousand years, you're going to build, like, the most epic battle fortress that has ever been constructed. <laughs> and it will be completely impervious to any army or atomic weapon, whereas I'm a freaking octopus. <laughs> like, yeah, I move fast, I ink, I change my colors, and you never know where I am. Or even if that pile of rocks over there is me or not. Mm-hmm. Like, when it doesn't have to stick to the position either. Exactly. Like, well, uh, actually, whew, I get to talk about Charles the Twelfth again. Uh, yes! Because <laughs> uh, you can check out the episode of Astrology Hotline on, that isn't even out yet. Actually, it'll be out do it. soon. Do it. But I'm going to talk about it. Um, do it later. Do Well, I'll, let's say I'll use this part. <laughs> uh, where Charles the Twelfth was the he was the king of Sweden. Um, uh, the beginning of the 1700s uh, was known basically as like this brilliant strategist warrior king and his whole approach to battle uh, was always to be on the offensive and he basically had just a skill for just taking his army uh, which was always outnumbered by the enemy and just charging into them and like just finding the weak point in the army and just exploiting it um and just never defending, never holding ground, just attacking. That's Mars and Gemini. He had Mars and Gemini. Uh, uh, ruling his MC. Um, he's a Leo rising, though. But 
anyway. This is starting to sound familiar. This is starting to sound way too much like my chart. You have a bit in common with uh, Charles the Twelfth, though not nearly as much Twelfth House. Uh, you have no Twelfth House. That's probably really. well. You except you by progression. Twelfth House but... ruler, but yes, I think about that actually. Would you, um, can, we can talk. We can just jump into progressions, right? I mm. I don't I don't know if I use them as much as you do. I am interested in them, and I use like maybe the progression of the moon a little bit, <sighs> but uh, or just like the change of a sign seems to be significant mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but do you i've never been able to reconcile maybe the idea of like the planet switching houses um because especially when you're thinking in maybe the traditional context planets in the 11th house uh are generally positive because they have that mm-hmm. energy of rising to the 10th house mm-hmm. eventually they will become the 10th house um yeah so there's that hopes and dreams and ambitions and, you know, just that I'm on my way kind of energy. But then by progression, those planets are going to the 12th house, which mm-hmm. is kind of the opposite flavor. So yeah. do you, what do you think of that? Oh, oh, goodness. I'm going to try not to take up the rest of our time. But um, the reason why I got into progressions in the first place is because I had a very, very um, extreme response to um my Mars going from being in the 11th to being in the 12th when my Mars mm-hmm. went into cancer, um, closely <sighs> followed by my Mercury and my progressed Mars and Mercury have been conjunct for like the last five years, practically. Mm. Um, I, which, which explains <laughs> some yeah. of the drama stuff that we yeah. were talking about earlier that I don't want to go into now. But, a mutual reception too. Yeah. Yeah. And so to have them be together by progression, like it was a, it was very loud. Like I, when Mars went into my 12th house cancer, it was, you know, Mars was the vanguard, which, you know, in some ways you really, you really want that to be the case because, you know, Mars is, you know, looking out for threats and it's protective and defensive, but Mm -hmm. like having Mars go into cancer for me, it felt like, all of a sudden the lights went out. Mm. I, I'm i a very fiery person as we were talking about earlier. And um, having Mars and Cancer just, it felt like I was a firework that got dumped into a bucket of water. Mm. Like I lost all of my energy. All of a sudden I got much more sensitive. It felt like, you know, I, I went from being you know, this, this octopus who's confident and who can dart around everywhere and is confident in my ability to, to protect myself to suddenly feeling like a soft shell crab or like a, um, a sea snail without, without a shell, Mm. you know, still vulnerable. And, you know, they should theoretically be the same thing, right? Like what's the difference between a, a, a sea slug essentially, you know, a a snail without a shell and an octopus, really, they're, you know, soft creatures that are very tasty to predators. And, um, but the strategies are fundamentally different. You know, the, Mm -hmm. the sea snail doesn't have the ability to change colors. It doesn't have the ability to, um, create a cloud of ink. Its strategy is the shell. Mm -hmm. And if you take the shell away, all of a sudden it is completely vulnerable and open to anything. And I, I had this really bizarre experience of being like, you know, I, I have not fundamentally lost my nature. 
I still had that Mars and, and Gemini mutability and changeability and, and uh, people don't really talk about Gemini as being soft, but I, I feel like the flexibility is a softness, mm-hmm. like the, the two of them kind of go together. So I had that same fundamental nature, but it was like all of my old techniques didn't work anymore. And yeah. one of the things that I've been learning is that um, what I have essentially been trying to learn how to do is learn how to be an octopus who has a den Mm. or a shell. Like before I had anything in cancer, I was an octopus in the open ocean. And when my progressed Mars went into cancer, all of a sudden I was learning how to use natural features in the environment to be protective for me Mm -hmm. because I suddenly found myself much more sensitive and vulnerable And I would not have thought to start doing that kind of thing. I would not have thought to start protecting myself that way if I hadn't suddenly started feeling more sensitive and vulnerable. So the the universe was, and and I hate saying the universe like that, but it's like the universe was conspiring to teach me a new way of being in the world that I could add to the skills that I already had as a Mars and Gemini. But the way that it did that was by making me feel like the old skills that I had did not exist anymore. Yeah. And that is why I work with progressions. And that's why progressions are so important to me because I've realized in my own experience that um, a planet moving into a new sign, and I'm I'm right there with you. I I really emphasize that a lot in my practice. Um, Mm. But a planet moving into a new sign is learning new things and it's very exciting and you're expanding the things that are possible for you, but it doesn't feel like that when a planet first moves into a sign, it feels yeah. like all of a sudden your old way of being is gone. You're in unfamiliar territory. Yeah. Like you're exactly you have to adapt to a new way. And actually that mm-hmm. you described fits really well. It's like, uh, like Mars and Gemini, what its strength is its ability to not commit to, yeah. to defending maybe a position while Mars and cancer it's, what it has to do it has to yeah to defend it has to have a den to protect now it actually makes yeah. me want to look at uh charles the 12th's progressions because he did Ooh. have you know his great fall from um from power uh basically resulted in the the end of the swedish empire uh because he didn't defend his territory <laughs> he just sort of like let because he was just like i'm just going to conquer russia i'm just going to conquer all of it and it doesn't really matter what they take of ours because I'm just going to crush them. And then when he couldn't do that, it was like, oh, my strategy doesn't work anymore. Let me keep applying it <laughs> oh. until it works. Uh, it's so cringe for me because I can see myself doing something like that if I was, you know, it, it's kind of one of those here by the grace of luck go I, you know, kind of things. That's a really um, good way to look at maybe progressions, though. It's like... Uh, like you're kind of being called to play by a new set of rules and it kind of comes with having to learn a whole different set. Uh, yeah. But yeah. There's that unfamiliar and familiarity that, um, uneasiness. It's, I, I'm just thinking about my progressed ascendant, which moved into Leo and it pretty much corresponded with, um, like doing like podcasting and like becoming a, a more uh, public uh, and it is unfamiliar territory to me. Um, 
Welcome it's, to the it's club. good to know some some Leos to, <laughs> to guide the way. I talk so much shit about Leos too. I feel bad. <laughs> Everybody does. I it's, somebody was just talking shit about Leos to me yesterday, and I'm just like, "Yes, I know. I share a rising sign with Donald Trump. Thank you. You don't have to remind <laughs> yeah. me." Yeah, it's easy, but it's also yeah. there's it's because because uh, we're all jealous. We all want to. We all want to be Leos. I know I'm jealous a little bit. And the secret is, I think, and I, I, I've compared notes with a lot of Leo risings. I think that the secret is that everybody really wants to be a Leo because even the Leo risings don't feel like Leo risings on the inside. Yeah. Well, Leos have a shell too. We're just not as good at showing it as Cancers are. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that uh, just talking to somebody about this, where, um, there's a, a like a separateness that comes with authority uh when you have authority or when you're you know just by nature being like a public persona um suddenly Mm -hmm. people look at you in that context and that puts you in this other sort of category um, which is separating um which the sun you know wants to do it wants to be you know singled out in in a sense maybe the sun Mm -hmm. in leo like just by itself is perfect mm-hmm. in that situation. But most Leo risings don't have the sun in Leo. Um, so it's like maybe, especially like a sun in Taurus, it's like a Venus ruled sun. Venus doesn't necessarily want to be um, certainly not excluded uh, or separated, it wants to be more um, connected and equal with people. The Taurus, yeah. Taurus is a, is a little more fine with being alone. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. I don't know if this is the influence of my Aquarius moon or what, but I I find that you know I definitely want to be on stage, but I want everybody else to be on stage with me. Yeah. Like when I saw the movie Bohemian Rhapsody, and I saw that the way Queen essentially made the entire audience to be part of the band in certain songs by writing mm. them into the music. I was like, I know exactly what that is. Like, I haven't looked at Queen's chart or, or Freddie Mercury's chart, but there, there's got to be some kind of synastry there between me and them at the risk of sounding arrogant because I can understand that instinct to want to be a rock star. Mm-hmm. And then once you're actually in the position of being a rock star, being like, wait a minute, everybody else needs to be up here. I need to share this experience with everybody because this yeah. is so freaking amazing. And like, all of a sudden you can see how you shine and that puts you in a position of seeing how everybody else shines. And it's like, wait a minute, this isn't fair. Mm-hmm. Why do I get to be up here when everybody else isn't up here? Come yeah. on. Here. Come sing. Come sing. And you know, all the, all the cancers and Capricorns in the room <laughs> maybe are like, no, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think it depends on with cancer. I feel like it very much depends on, whatever state the moon is in i think that <laughs> cancer will Full moon. love to be on uh, on stage depending on yeah like the phase of the moon <laughs> or the sign that the moon is in uh i think we were talking about that a little it's like cancer is like the it's the nighttime leo you know uh, it, it's i don't know how many cancers you know outside of me um but they they will talk your ear off right like once once they are in the mood once you get them oh yeah get them comfortable and relaxed give them mm. uh, some some 
wetness. <laughs> Texas just reading, what was it? I don't remember what I was reading. <laughs> Might have been We Benali. definitely just turned our explicit rating just there. Congratulations. <laughs> Uh, well, it might've been Bonatti. I don't know, but saying that basically because wetness is terrible, uh, temperament wise, um, cause it's water and water is feminine and feminine stuff is bad, uh, from the medieval maybe perspective again, but alcohol, uh, made people, um, wetter in terms of temperament and it's also like made them lazy and slack off. But also when you get drunk you are uh you connect with people a lot more easily right mm-hmm. it loosens you up um and i think that's like an element of cancer that maybe gets sort of glossed over when you're thinking about it in terms of like the crab and the shell and wanting to protect itself yeah and it's like yes until you're in and then once you're in hey mm-hmm. i'm you know it's it's like leo in a, like a close-knit circle or something <laughs> like I, I feel like the cancers that I've known, once you get past that, they are these kind of boisterous, uh, really talkative people that like attention. Um, that you almost become a lot of Leo-y kind of uh, qualities. But it's the exaltation of Jupiter. You know, Jupiter is uh, mm-hmm. Jupiter's a planet that does, is not afraid to be out there. Oh, that's for damn sure. I feel like I resonate with that a lot, though, as a as a Leo Taurus person, like, mm-hmm. you know, you if you saw the way that I am in groups that I'm I'm not comfortable where I don't feel like I have a definite role, like mm-hmm. you would think that I was a, a cancer or a or a Capricorn or, you know, just a just a or even a Scorpio, maybe like a very, yeah. very introverted person. And, you know, you get me in a situation where, you know, I know where my role is. I, you know, we're geeking out about astrology and people watching this are probably going to be like, oh, yeah, absolutely. She's a Leo rising. Like, there's no doubt mm-hmm. about that. But like you, you put me at a like you know, a, a garage party full of people who are doing you know, chit chat about like lawn care and stuff. Yeah. And you, you would have no idea that I have any Leo in my chart whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, and see, and that's a, a funny thing though with cancer is it, uh, it's once you get them in their comfort zone, they become more like Leos. But they're actually usually pretty good with those situations of where they need to to uh, find a way to relate to every to to just com- common people or something. Uh, the, the moon. Well, got you've a- got that shell. Yeah, it's like because you can because you have the protection. Leo's just out there, so it it might in a way be more selective about its audience. Um, mm-hmm. But Cancer isn't really looking for an audience until it gets to the right that sweet spot for the moon, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so we see the moon signified like signifies like the the, the bourgeois class, like the old school middle class. Um, mm-hmm. which is kind of like the modern middle class if if we even have one anymore but it's another topic well, entirely I mean, which middle class yeah. I feel like yeah. the gap between the lower middle class and the upper middle class is getting wider every year yeah I mean I think it, it's Saturn would be more like working class and moon would be more mm-hmm. uh, upper middle class I guess or, or mm-hmm. what people mean when they're talking about bougie 
Is that, yeah, was that, I mean, like, Roger Podcast was talking about Taurus being bougie, and I was like, what? I was like, the moon's a little bougie, Libra's super bougie. Uh, I don't know about Taurus, though. Taurus is a little too... No, I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think, see I mean, we, we cannot be the side of bankers <laughs> and be bougie at the same time. Like, you can't <laughs> yeah. have both. You have to pick one. Yeah. Pick a negative stereotype, please. Don't just throw them all on us. People don't get Taurus. I don't I'm speaking for Leo here, too. <laughs> yeah, I get I mean, so much pushback, and and maybe this is just the fact that you know I have so much Marsy shit going on in my chart. But like, I I feel like you know I hear everything that everybody has to say about Aries, Taurus, Gemini, <laughs> and Leo and Scorpio. Like everybody thinks that Ada needs to hear this shit, and I'm like, <laughs> you think that you're being original, and you're not. Like I have heard this so many times before. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I guess it's like anything, like, there's always some, some kernel of truth to most stereotypes, but it's like, and it's hard to, when you're trying to, uh, I don't know, I'm, feel like I'm doing the thing where I play both sides or something to myself. Uh, I have uh, a Libra I see, <laughs> just go for it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I get, I get it. I don't know. It's like, uh, When you're trying to get people's attention, you know, which you have to compete with so much that's uh, grabbing people's attention. It's like you want to go for the most extreme or the funniest or the most whatever of the thing you're talking about to make it pop mm-hmm. out. But then it's like you end up with a whole just world full of like the most uh, extreme versions of things where you don't necessarily know what mm-hmm. the middle looks like. Yeah, all of the nuance is gone. Yeah. You just get a world of neon. It's like freaking Vegas everywhere. <laughs> that yeah. is the internet. That is, that's exactly it. What do we What do we do about that? <laughs> we need more Scorpios. We need more Cancers, you know? We well, need more of that, like, nuance and, and deep conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Is that a... Uh, from Tristan on astrology hotline. He was saying something about uh, Scorpio and how uh, Scorpio has this, um, like you can kind of see Scorpio in like a floral print dress or like a Scorpio will totally peacock. I I, I feel like (laughs) either to fit in or to like, or just for the sake of undermining people's expectations. Uh, I, I don't know if you get that with Scorpio ever. Um, oh yeah, I I have a a Scorpio person in my life who used mm-hmm. to very very like big Scandinavian dude who would wear skirts to school just to subvert people's expectations and like normally he yeah. would wear like you know he's he's a Gen Xer so you know his, the generation is different he would come to school in like gothy industrial gear with like you know, the mesh shirts and stuff. Um, but then every once in a while, he would show up in like a a, a skirt that he, he swore was a kilt so mm-hmm. he could wear it to school. And just it's because that's like Aries will will attack you head on, you know. Mm-hmm. But what does Mars do in when it's in the in water, like in the it, it provokes, right? It's like, yeah, provokes the reaction from you uh, so that you can fall into its trap. 
and mm-hmm. and it can pounce. Like, oh, you and think then you there's something wrong? And it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. I win. <laughs> like <that's, laughs> I know I always think of like a scorpion, like actually started a meme once that I never finished, but it was like a little scorpion with like peacock feathers, like hiding like in front of its Scorpio tail. It's like, no one, no one will ever know. No one will ever see through my disguise. And it's, it's, I feel like I can always spot like Scorpios are so obvious to me now. Once (laughs) that thing about Scorpio is like, now I know I know always, I can always spot one now because they will be super chill and cool, but they'll be doing something weird to, uh, almost get you to like challenge how normal they think that they're being or something. I don't know. It's a weird uh, game uh, that Scorpio plays in which, I mean, I know I have to be doing it on some level. I've done it before for sure. Remember in high school, I wore, uh, I would just wear vests over everything because I thought vests were really cool. But, you know, on one level, it was like, I'm just wearing a vest because I like vests. I'm not trying to get a reaction out of anyone. <laughs> it's such a I don't know. Uh, I was uh, exactly the same way as a teenager. <laughs> like I I, w- I lived in like the waspiest Connecticut town. Like my waspiest. my yeah, like um wedding was Saxon Protestant, like very like Oh yeah. You know uh, my classmates got BMWs for their 16th birthday. And like mm-hmm. my grandparents were factory workers, like mm-hmm. very, very like talk about class. Like I was definitely a fish out of water in that environment. And so I responded by being like, okay, you know, you're dressing in Abercrombie and Fitch and your dad buys and sells hospitals for a living. I'm a punk rocker and I'm going to mm-hmm. be proud of that. And I would be like, you know, like piercing my ears in the middle of math class mm-hmm. and stuff. And like, I'm not doing it to get a reaction. This is just who I am. I'm just expressing myself mm-hmm. uh, organically. And that's, and see, this is where I think where I'm missing Leo. Cause I have like the, mm. the T square minus Leo. Uh, maybe with you with Leo rising is like, I have such a complicated relationship with like that, with like, I'm not, um, I'm not trying to present myself in any way. I'm not trying to get attention. But like, I totally am, um, especially now. And maybe it's the progressive descendant, right? I don't know. Now that I'm actually trying mm-hmm. to do something that is public and like, I have to actually confront uh, my discomfort with trying to seek out attention from people. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like Leo is just equipped to deal with that arena. Uh, like, I don't know. The, healthy Leo. Yeah. A healthy Leo that knows what it's doing is definitely equipped. <laughs> I feel like there are certain things or maybe it's just certain people, you know, they're born with the chart that they have. And, you know, if you, if you take a, a, a default stance where you're like, you know, this is good or this is bad, or this is easy to use, or this is not easy to use. It's like, well, you know, yes, if the person knows how to use it properly, but I, I really feel like there are some people and, and I'm saying this because I feel like that myself in, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways who are born with a birth chart and, it, you know, going back to an image that I, I used at one point, I don't remember if it was on the podcast or not, but like, it's like some people are born with a birth chart that is like an Uzi and then they're kicked out of heaven. And it's like, you know, okay, you're here to learn how to use this. 
like yeah. <laughs> the Scorpio who has an excellent use of their tail, but doesn't actually know that they're doing it. So they're going around stinging people to death and they don't need to do that. They, they can have more nuance because they're able to defend themselves. Well, mm-hmm. I feel like with Leo, um, with Leo rising, um, in particular, especially for people who don't have a lot of um, support from other signs or maybe other Leo planets, the skill of Leo rising, and maybe this is going to be something that you're going to find intuitively because of your support from other planets, but you have to be able to not take yourself seriously mm-hmm. if you have Leo rising. The reason why Trump is such a problem is because he takes himself mm-hmm. more seriously than anybody else. And if you have Leo rising, you kind of have to realize that there is something about you fundamentally that is ridiculous. And if you can't find the humor (laughs) in it, then you are going to be the most obnoxious person in the room. And like, I had this really big epiphany a few years ago. I think that that was when I really started to integrate the, the humility you were talking about with that, with Virgo. Mm -hmm. Um, where I realized, you know, the the ridiculousness of my particular Leo rising is that I'm essentially like a golden retriever. You know, people mm-hmm. who don't know me very well don't know that because I I've gotten wounded so much for it, and so I am very reserved until I know that I can get away with it with people. But you know, if I if I know you very well, and I you know you're in my in my safe cancer zone, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I will, I will tackle hug you and knock you to the floor when I see you. Like I am very enthusiastic to see you. I don't hide my enthusiasm about anything. If I'm delighted by some kind of stupid thing, like seeing a hummingbird out the window, I will, I I will show it unabashedly. And I realize that that is completely undignified and ridiculous, especially since (laughs) I have a tendency to hang out with so many Gen Xers who can't be arsed to care about anything. Mm -hmm. Um, But it took me a while to realize that that is who I am. That is what I am. That is what I bring to the table. And if people don't like it, they're the wrong audience for me. Yeah. And they just, I, I either need to get up and go find another audience or I need to continue doing what I'm doing while I'm watching people stream out of the room. And that is the hardest thing in the world. Yeah. What? And I think that, Leo is, I mean, it's how we were talking about fire, right? And it's like fire has that quality of um, it'll just burn. It'll just burn. It'll just do its thing. And then it might afterwards look at the effect and the result uh, of the fire burning. Um, I think maybe what's the challenge and maybe the big difference between like cancer and Leo is uh, (laughs) cancer, maybe, or or water or like... (laughs) The opposite side of, of that is is uh, constantly looking at how others are reacting to what you're mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. to the point where it, it's like, do you, um, you don't even necessarily get to, it takes a long time to actually figure out what, uh, what kind of weirdo or what kind of, what, what the, the ridiculous thing is about you because it's like you don't necessarily get to see it for a while because you're constantly um, augmenting your behavior based on uh, what other people are, are doing or how they're responding, which yeah, yeah. is why people like cancers. Honestly, it's, it's what uh, <laughs> makes cancers really 
nice to be around is because they are paying attention to you and they give a shit about how you feel and they want to uh, make things as comfortable for you as possible. And it's mm. a good quality, but you know, it's like, there's, I guess, a, a price, right. For that or. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, I, I mean, think I that's a quality of the night sect planets in general. Because, you know, the the moon, you just very articulately talked about why that is when you were talking about cancer, mm-hmm. even though the, the moon and cancer are not the same. They, you know. <laughs> but Venus is is doing the same thing because it's constantly looking at building rapport. And Mars is constantly doing threat assessment. You know, so you bring those three planets together and they're all looking at what's going on around them, but for fundamentally different reasons. Yeah. Well, and that. And it's back to temperament. You're like, we're just going to keep revisiting temperament all the time. But uh, the moon. Oh, no, 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 no. This is perfect because I was talking about this with <laughs> my patrons and they were like, Ooh, he knows temperament. We know what your next podcast has <laughs> yeah. to be about. And I was like, I will do my best. We'll see. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I, I think the point is to try to just go with whatever comes up. And that means that we're probably going to weave in and out of temperament. Um, and maybe eventually <laughs> we'll cover it. <laughs> You're just going to have to stay tuned and you'll get the full story eventually, maybe. But we need to do a content warning. This is only partly about temperament. Yeah. <laughs> you don't really know what it's about until until it's happening. Um, oh, hell no. That's the fun of it. I know. I like got to jump in for the conversation about temperament for a minute. And then I was like, uh, only have so much time. But um, <laughs> but now I can talk about temperament. But yes. uh, the moon and Venus, the nocturnal planets, they're they're by their temperament um, is cool and wet. Uh, and that's exactly the response of cold and wetness of, of phlegmatic, the, the phlegmatic um, temperament type. It's responsive to other people, but also, uh, God, and I was thinking about this today about coldness versus heat um, and how to word this. Because the thing with like coldness is it tends to, uh, in terms of like character or how it manifests for a person, is they tend to be more self-critical and um, self-restraining and almost like anti-self in in a way. That's an extreme maybe way of framing it, but just thinking about it in those terms, uh, why is Venus so benefic, right? Is it because it brings two people together uh, and reconciles people and harmonizes people, but that sort of means letting go of something about one piece to make it accommodate the other one, uh, or mm-hmm. you know, so there has to be a certain amount of uh, willingness to let go of self to um, to have that maybe. Uh, Again, we're getting into abstract territory. It's getting hard to to word it because I'm, I'm like just thinking about this today. But uh, the word that I that comes to mind for me is softness. Mm-hmm. It's like you softness. you have to mold yourself around the other person. You need to, mm-hmm. you know, if two people are going to be complementary puzzle pieces, they either need to naturally fit together perfectly, and if so, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they need to make changes so that the 
the meshing will will fit properly. Yes. And there's a, a sacrifice of the self that is necessary mm-hmm. in order to do that because um, if you aren't the right shape, you need to change and change is loss. Yeah. But knowing the right amount or of that. Or gain sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, it is. Um, but maybe that's like the, the thing about water, right? Is that it, uh, adapts to its container. It has no um, solidity in and of itself. And maybe that's um, mm-hmm. the problem maybe with any element, right? Is that you get too extreme on it and uh, you get sort of the worst of it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so when you have no like uh, container of your own, maybe if you're just too water, it's like you have no... Um, it can be like almost no sense of self, but there can be, you become whatever somebody else wants you to become. Uh, there's a too much giving away uh, of the self. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And you just become absorbed in the sponge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you, and that's maybe the other thing is that water accommodates um, its environment. You know, water yeah. comes into the space and if there's something already in it, Oh, I'm not going to intrude on you thing. I'm going yeah. to surround you and envelop you and maybe, maybe destroy you if it's Scorpio water. I don't know. <laughs> or, or slowly wear you down. Um, <laughs> but I think that's also maybe the thing to think about too. It's like you very rarely get the full extreme version of, of something. And usually like why Venus is great is because it's not a full on version of of that it's you know the right amount mm-hmm. it knows the mm-hmm. distinction like uh this is where i compromise this is you know maybe not where i compromise like they're uh i guess why the signs that venus rules are really they make sense for venus because you get taurus just um takes venus nature and creates solidity solid boundaries um mm-hmm. and the yeah commitment where commitment it just makes sense to taurus i almost feel like i can't describe it where it's like yeah i commit to this this is works i like it feels good i'm gonna keep doing this oh i don't like that why would i change if it's not working yeah yeah why would i yeah why would i bother to change this this has been working why would i not eat mexican food every night because mexican food's delicious um yeah until maybe something convinces taurus like oh okay maybe maybe i should try something else uh, anyway, Libra too. I mean, Libra is the scales, right? It's about finding balance. Um, yeah. And that makes sense for, for Venus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taurus is inner peace and Libra is outer peace. Inner world peace yeah. versus outer world peace. What's I'm going to make a yeah. beautiful that, environment yeah. versus I've got a beautiful environment. Yeah. But I'm going to seek out one. Yeah. Um, more Libra. But when you think about Venus's exaltation in Pisces, it's like the most, in some sense, the wateriest of the, the watery, you know, it has no limits or boundaries. Mm-hmm. Is that, you know, why is that good for Venus? Is it good or is it good for... Is it good? The, uh, the people around Venus. Is it good for the people in power or is it actually good for Venus? I mean, um, I yeah, know. Yeah, Venus that will do whatever I tell Venus to do. 
that will yeah, exactly. conform to my every desire. <laughs> kind of One point. of the reasons I, I asked you to come in and teach about essential dignity to my um, chart interpretation course instead mm-hmm. of doing it myself is because I've, you know, going back to the conversation that we were having about essential dignity last week, mm-hmm. I, I really wrestle with essential dignity because I don't know if this is my Aquarius moon and Jupiter or what, but I look at the essential dignity system and I'm like, yeah, of course, Mesopotamian kings wanted their women to be pliable and uh, submissive and going along with whatever they wanted. Of mm-hmm. course, of course, Venus was going to be exalted in Pisces. Yeah. And, you know, of course, you want a well-disciplined I'll forgive army you for anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can get away with all kinds of shit with Venus and Pisces. No offense to yeah. people who have it, but no, it's, um, I love Venus and Pisces. It's great. It is. Oh yeah, it's absolutely. beautiful and like, wonderful for lots of reasons. But I mean, on. it's. It, it, I have to say, I, it's wonderful for everyone else. When Venus was in Pisces, it was it was really difficult for me because, like, you know, on the one hand, I could see that you know wonderful things happen for me as situation in a relationship that was stuck. All of a sudden, Venus went into Pisces and it wasn't stuck anymore. But at the same time, like, I think that, you know, this might be my Venus and Aries talking, but everybody else is like, everything is going swimmingly. And I'm like, I don't even know what to do with this. I just feel like I'm a dissipated puddle. Like, how do you even deal with this nonsense? Like, there is there's no energy. Material. There's no life. Everybody's just sitting around hedonistically drinking themselves to death. Like, I just don't get it. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I look at essential dignity and like I, I was delighted by our conversation last week because left to my own devices, I, I'm just going to see power games everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, it's like Venus trying to deal with like all the, the, the conquesty, selfishy kind of energy of Aries. I don't know. It's like from Venus's perspective, that's what Aries looks like. Aries isn't all about that. And it's, you know, has great qualities of it. Venus is just going to struggle. Um, with figuring out how to to make to make beautiful things out of that, or how to be yielding and accommodating uh, to maybe in an environment that expects different things, or or recognizing that there's a problem maybe with the things that it's being asked to be yielding and accommodating to, you know, yeah. that it mm-hmm. has uh, that maybe oh it's Venus, but it has to stand up for itself. Uh, mm-hmm. and that's um and i think it's what you end up getting to and it, it gets even more complicated maybe with falls and exaltations but with detriments also often the confrontation is a little more head-on mm-hmm. um while with falls and exaltations uh let's talk about falls i like talking about those uh, yes I know I said the last time that, you know, they're, they're trying to reconcile opposites and that's why it's hard. Uh, but I think actually what's really hard about falls is working with the ways that um, the planet and the sign are actually super compatible. So you think about mm-hmm. Mars, maybe in mm-hmm. cancer, uh, it's dealing with water. It's dealing with cardinal energy. Uh, and just think of like the archetype, like the, symbol of cancer is a crab and then it has another domicile scorpio and looking at these two head-on they look almost exactly the same like they, they look like very similar creatures they have pincers uh they have hard exoskeletons they're anthropods you know uh but one has a stingy tail and the other one doesn't and 
I guess the way I, I think about it, maybe particularly with Mars and cancer is that it's, um, people who have it, uh, are often excessively good at Mars things when it comes to like fighting. Um, mm. it's almost like hyper, hyperactive, uh, and like you were saying, sensitive, uh, oh, too much, you know, thing with i think falls is that there's there's too much on one end and not enough of the other and it's also in a space that is uh where it has to kind of walk a tightrope um put mars in cancer you know if it's being wild mars uh whipping its tail that it doesn't actually have but its claws around you know it's going to be doing damage to the the people that it cares most about you know or um Mm -hmm. so it has to like basically fight its own nature and find a way to channel it uh the best way possible but it's like not lacking in in its significations it's has a lot of them but it also has another prerogative maybe another job to do that Mm. uh, it has to navigate kind of like a a minefield you know i think that's Mm -hmm. like yeah that's why it's maybe more challenging traditionally because it's, you know, if you want peanut butter um, and all you have is ketchup, it's like, well, better get used to ketchup. I don't know. <laughs> so if, you have, uh, if you have peanut butter, um, but you really want sunflower seed butter, then, but maybe you're allergic to peanuts. You got to eat the peanut butter and you're, I don't know. It's confusing. <laughs> it's yeah, it's quite, yeah. It can be hard to to know exactly what the problem is. Maybe when you're dealing with a fall. Uh, yeah. Because on one level it really works, and then on another level it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, Robert Hand says that Mars at its best is really protective. Mm-hmm. It's only when you try to contain Mars and put it in a space from which it can't escape that you actually get the war from Mars. And so Mars's best expression is, you know, mama bear protective energy. So it's kind of, you know, when you look at it from that lens, it's kind of surprising that Mars is in fallen cancer. But I think that you raise a really good point when you say that um, with Mars, it's in cancer, it's difficult to, to not attack the people that you're, you're closest to. It's almost like, Mm -hmm. um, Mars and Cancer has the tendency to be a little bit scorpionic. Like I I was mentioning earlier, um, Scorpios who maybe have a hard time recognizing that they have such a potent tail. Mm -hmm. I think maybe with Mars and Cancer, there's a tendency to think, you know, I, I am just this poor, weak little creature. I can't possibly hurt anybody, but it's the, it's the tiniest scorpions that you have to be the most afraid of because those are the ones who are most deadly. And the most to prove. Mm-hmm. I think that was mm-hmm. a. That's I actually I've heard Robert Hand uh, a really good lecture he does on YouTube, um, or that w- ended up on YouTube. Some old lecture from like the nineties where he was talking oh, is about it the Mars. Classical astrology one. It might be. It might be that, the same like six one. hours. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's what I'm quoting. Yeah. yeah. And that's I loved that about um, when he was talking about Mars because it's like it it makes sense. Uh, even talking about like. Mars is a nocturnal planet, not because it's it's like the moon and Venus. It's because it's kind of like the opposite, but it the yeah. best gets brought out when it's tempered, when it's um, in an environment that, 
as opposed to maybe being out on the attack and assaulting the fortress, you know, defending the people that it cares about or defending its home, you know, only attacking when provoked or, uh, yeah. The bodyguard for the queen and the diplomat. Yeah. And that ends up being actually, uh, actually know a lot of Mars and cancer people. Um, and they're the biggest sweethearts and they're super protective uh, of the people that they care about. Um, but it sort of comes at a cost for them where it's like they have to, uh, they're constantly having to see the ways that they have to compromise with themselves to be there for the people they love, you know, like to be, uh, and to not take that Mars energy out on them, you know, like if there's no, there's nobody outside attacking. It's like almost like they feel better when there is somebody outside, uh, a threat from the outside because they have an outlet for it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's maybe one of the, the ways to use a fall as well, like to, to work with it is to find an outlet for both expressions. Cause like Mars is still Mars. It needs to be Mars somewhere. Like giving mm-hmm. it a Mars like activity it doesn't have to be combat. Um, combat's great if it's not actually hurting anyone but um paintball or something uh, something competitive yeah. something physical um to make mars feel like yeah i'm doing mars stuff and i'm still strong mars um but also space to like do its job in cancer i, I guess i like to think of it as having a job there uh in, in cancer, it's almost like the job is sort of obvious, like is, is, is to protect people and be the, yeah, you know, the, the night watchman or something <laughs> at, at home, <laughs> at home base. Uh, yeah. And so how does this play out for you as somebody with a Scorpio moon? Hmm. Well, uh, it's the reverse, I guess, but it's kind of similar, uh, where, I like a lot of maybe Marsy things, you know, uh, attracted to Marsy things. Um, God, it's hard to, again, I I live in the pit, right? (laughs) So no, no, I live in in the pit. No, it's (laughs) because there are so many ways that it ends up working. Cause it's, it's a, it's a watery moon, you know? Um, I, uh, have a son and, you know, it's very like involved, like to be very involved dad. But I, you know, sometimes I will struggle with maybe my, um, my Marsy kind of agenda of like needing to accomplish and, uh, carry out tasks, you know, accomplish things, achieve things, you know, uh, mm. accomplish my goals at any cost. Right. That's Mars. But the cost, uh, would be, similar in the sense that it, it means cutting away from maybe people that I care about or, or uh, but there's like, I need to find balance there, you know, mm-hmm. knowing um, when to fight for my needs and when to, um, when maybe my needs are unreasonable or too much, like, because there's a, uh, the desire maybe element of the moon, which does it's about needing and wanting and um is up it's high it's like that gets turned up you know and maybe the wanting to go get it uh 
gets turned up, but then it's the moon. It doesn't have, you know, um, the equipment. I'm just a widow moon, you know, has a similar feeling of being, um, unequipped for what it's trying to do. Uh, though often it's the, the, uh, oh, oh, that lost you for a second. What seems to be the case with fallen planets a lot, uh, is that it's like they are doing their job, but it just like sort of costs, you know, they're sort of, uh, having mm. to like, um, tighten, tighten the, the reins of the grip or the, the hold on how you're operating, like constantly compromising mm-hmm. maybe. Like often I want to go, I want to do something. I want to do my will, do what I willst, you know. Um, but I have um, people that I'm responsible for that I need to take care of. And, you know, sometimes it means setting my agenda aside to to do that, um, to be emotionally available, you know, which, uh, yeah, it's complicated. I don't know. It sounds like it's complicated for sure. Like it almost sounds like um, there's a sense of self-sacrifice with fallen planets, unless you can find a creative way to express them. So like, you know, Mars and cancer is like, you know, by default, maybe it's the, you know, the, the big terminator dude in a nursery. Mm -hmm. But if you're in a war zone, you want a big terminator guy in the nursery so that he can handle all of the threats that are coming in from the outside. And like, you know, the, the moon is this in in Scorpio is this, you know, incredibly sensitive instrument that's being sent straight into the bowels of hell. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, we, we do send very sensitive instruments down into the center of volcanoes because we, we -hmm. need that information. So it's, it's almost like, if you go with the default, it's it's the worst possible thing you can imagine. But with some creativity and under the right circumstances, it can be exactly what you need. Yeah, actually, that's I was actually really well put like that. Like a sen- it's, you know, the, the sensitive instrument. Uh, sometimes it has to go into the extreme environment to measure. Um, to get all the proper measurements that maybe you wouldn't otherwise have. Uh and that's a theme that definitely comes up for other people with Scorpio Moon that I know and myself. Mm-hmm. It's like you end up coming into people's lives, you know, when they're um, going through some shit, right? <laughs> it's like they're, mm-hmm. and that's sort of your job is to be the moon um, while other people are um, dealing with difficulties, dealing with trauma, dealing with um, big changes and transformations, sort of self turnover feel like I've always had my eye on it and I I know that it can't be everybody always going through it but I just end up meeting people when they're like oh you're going through a big change <laughs> and there's part of you that's basically dying I mean you have to sort of shed this part off of you and uh, kind of come out the other side um yeah I always think of the six of swords cup uh card which has like somebody mm. uh it was like the ferryman you know uh, yeah. ushering souls across the river uh, what it sticks yeah and that's like kind of so, the, the role so what you're basically saying is that we should call you Charon Car- who's, wait who's Charon the, the ferryman 
Oh, they, they, ah, that's his name. Six. God, jeez. Yeah. I thought yeah. I knew a lot about this. Also, but... one of Pluto's moons, but um. Ah. Yeah. Now I yeah. Have a, a thing to look up because that sounds compelling. Yeah, but yeah, that that psychopomp role, like I really resonate with that a yeah. lot. You know, I've we both have uh, Pluto and Scorpio, and I mm-hmm. also have Saturn there in the South Node, and so you know, I I feel like I don't know if I've got some kind of. 